Good evening, everybody. This is Kirk Henderson and Jordan Brodess for the first time with me this year on Mavs Moneyball After Dark. We're coming to you Saturday night after a simply outstanding Dallas Maverick victory over the Philadelphia 76ers on the road. They won 117-98. to 98. I want to punt to you almost immediately, Jordan. So uh, tell me what you thought of the game. What's What was the highlight for you? I think the highlight for me was seeing the amount of effort kind of across the board from every player on the team. Uh, this is not on, on paper. This is not a good matchup for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, it It's not something that they, uh, they shouldn't be able to match up with the length of Philadelphia. Uh, the, the effort uh, required to kind of counteract the talent and length from top to bottom from Philadelphia, that should not work. Uh, with the Mavericks, uh, especially with Luka Doncic uh, not playing. But they came in pretty much from the beginning of the game, sort of ready to combat that. It took a few minutes of kind of settling in and switching to that zone uh, after Embiid sort of dominated early on. Uh, but the the standout to me is just the level of effort, top to bottom, uh, I think that that was the difference maker in the game because Philadelphia just wasn't, they just weren't trying uh, for long stretches and uh, didn't have answers to push back against the things that Dallas was bringing at them. And that's pretty exciting. Uh, it's exciting to see on the road at home, it wouldn't matter, uh, seeing <laughs> them like, like, uh, give this sort of output on a, any given night uh, is really exciting for the prospects of later in this season. Yep. Yep. I, you know, they, when Luca gets hurt two minutes into a five game stretch where, you know, we're wondering as a, as a collective fan base, how, how that, that stretch here, this, the stretch against the, these five Eastern conference teams really felt like a good measuring stick for, for the Mavericks. Then Luca goes down and through four games, they're two and two with the opportunity almost to be, um, you know, th uh, three and one in some instances. And this game might be more impressive than the Milwaukee game in some instances, just because for the same reasons you mentioned, I was really worried about the matchup. And, you know, one stat really stood out to me was the fact that the Mavericks out rebounded the Sixers in terms yeah. of rebounding percentage. The Sixers are the best team in the league. Uh, they get 53% of available rebounds, and I wrote about this a little in the recap. And the fact that Dallas just really kept them off the offensive boards for most of the night with the exception of uh, a little period in the fourth, like that was just outstanding. And, you know, those little things is are, are, are why the Mavericks are, you know, trending upwards as the season goes along. Because, you know, early in the year, I didn't know which parts of this were sustainable. And through, you know, we're, we're pushing 30 games at this point, and the Mavericks are playing better, you know, as a unit with each passing week. You know, they're, they're going to have these ups and downs, but the, the fact that they've managed to have keep this sustained effort is really, really outstanding. Yeah, and I mean, the, the thing that I feel like constantly surprises me with the team, uh, and this was even, I mean, these are in games even when Luka is playing, but that there seems to be different people able to step up, even if it's not for full games. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr., he had a massive game. Uh, he was 10 of 21 from the floor, 7 of 11 from three. But he had 19 points in the first quarter and then didn't score. And I think until maybe late in the third or early in the fourth, 
and that's that's sort of crazy that that could even happen and in his absence you had guys like uh ryan brokoff playing really quality minutes early on in the game delon wright was sort of all over the floor kind of just stuffing the stat sheet, doing different things. And this isn't, that's not a new thing for the Mavericks this season. They've been able to, obviously, uh, when Luca's playing, they, they rely on him and everything centers on his output. But uh, on any given night, they have one or two of their 10 or 11 man rotation able to step up, play really important minutes and key elements of the game that has allowed them to either rest starters uh, when maybe you would have to normally play them more um, or, you know, just uh, kind of balance out the roster. It, it's hard for teams to keep up with the pace that Dallas creates uh, because they're, they're not really, uh, you know, missing offense when certain players are off the floor and they're showing that more recently. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about Porzingis in just a second, but you said something that reminded me of a, of probably my favorite uh, aspect of the game was Maxi Kleba's minutes. Um, in 23 minutes, he had 10 points and three boards and a couple of assists. He wasn't particularly, uh, for, for a long stretch of the game, you really didn't notice him. But then, it, you know, he took a three in the third, I think it was the third quarter, and then two drives uh, with, you know, Embiid guarding him, getting all the way to the rim and getting fouled both times. You know, the the Sixers were looking to make a run during the stretch because they're, you know, the Sixers actually kind of settled into reasonable offense in the in the uh, end of the second and then part of the third. And then, you know, a guy like like Kleba really helped shut shut it down. And those sort of little contributions are just so important, like you said. And I really I just like watching Kleba play because there there are moments where it feels like he he's asked to do too much. But, you know, taking a prospective defensive player of the year candidate off the dribble, I think three different times and scoring yeah. all three times is pretty hilarious to me. Yeah. I mean, he took him off the dribble the first time like it was nothing and dunked it. Oh, and then, the and then and then drew two fouls later on. He he's I mean, back to even last season, he's deceptively athletic still like people still don't give him the proper respect. Defenders don't give him the kind of respect uh, that matches his athleticism. His shot, I, I don't have it in front of me here, so I don't know what he's shooting from three this season. It's probably not as good as what I have in my mind. But he he's just, he plays so balanced and calm. Uh, even in nights where he's not scoring a lot, he doesn't seem, uh, he doesn't seem rattled by that. And that's because he can contribute in so many different ways. So in the nights when his shot is falling or he's able to, uh, get a couple of buckets off the dribble. Uh, he just becomes so impactful, even if he's not playing a lot of minutes. Mm -hmm. Well, circling back to Porzingis, who, you know, we only we don't have that many games with him. Under again, under thirty is a Maverick at this point. But I keep saying this, and I keep writing that I think this might be his best game as a Maverick. <laughs> I was just about to say the same thing, and. and I really think this one might be because, yeah. you know, in terms of just like top to bottom performance, consistent effort, consistent results, he was there the whole game. 22 points, career high, 18 rebounds, three blocks, some unbelievably effective challenges near the rim. Uh, the Mavericks really got in Ben Simmons' head. That's a discussion for another day. But, you know, the the 
just watching how well he played, how well he's figuring out how to play speaks to his intelligence and his flexibility as a basketball player. Because I, I firmly believe that he didn't know how to play off the ball coming into this year. And the way the Mavericks are using him and the way he's already bought in it is really incredible. And it's working, or at least it's worked, you know, over these last four to five games. And I'm just, I'm really excited. I was, I was a little out on him earlier in the year. I probably shouldn't have been, but that's just kind of the way I am. And he has since become so impressive. He's essentially, you know, for a while there, it's who's the most second most important Maverick. Well, there's not a question now. It's Chris Tapsingus. Yeah, he uh, two things about about tonight that I was noticing and that I'm really enjoying about this like next phase of his game as, you know, the early parts of the season are started. We're starting to shift into the second phase of the season mm-hmm. is uh, because his shot was not falling early on uh, early on in the year. Uh, and it seemed like what sparked uh, him finding a rhythm recently what uh was whether it's rick carlisle uh developing this in the system or it's just porzingis's instincts but they've been using him uh he's been uh you know uh diving to the basket a lot more Mm -hmm. cutting to the basket a lot more and even now that's still a part of the game there were he he wasn't uh very assertive early in the game because tim harley jr simply could not miss a shot so there didn't need to be anyone else doing anything but for him to get into the rhythm of the game, he was still making those dives off the ball and finding ways to get to the rim. And once he finds that rhythm, he becomes a completely different offensive player. So that's really exciting to me. The second thing, and I think I said this in Slack, uh, in our Slack conversation tonight, was uh, I thought that maybe as uh, Luca was going to be absent for these games and there was a lot of, you know, talk online and articles written about now this is, you know, what kind of role can Porzingis take and does he have to become the star or is this his opportunity to become the star or whatever it is. I was a little concerned that that meant uh, his effort level may change with other things off the ball, uh, defensively on the boards, because those are the things that we've been praised about as his offense has not been great early on while Luca has been so dominant is that, you know, a, a lot of his reputation might be like, oh, well, A, he couldn't rebound at all. Uh, mm-hmm. B, that he only could help side block. He, he couldn't, you know, be a full-on uh, in-the-lane rim protector. Uh, and that his effort level, if he's not getting his touches, may be poor. Those things weren't true early on, and that was what was so positive i think early in the season when he wasn't playing well offensively well now he's playing well offensively and he's doing it without luca on the floor and that hasn't changed his effort level he is he's giving a hundred percent when he is on the floor uh and that's completely to his credit that he is uh crashing the boards hard i mean there's a reason that he had 18 rebounds tonight he was fighting on the glass all the way to the end of the game and I, I think that's that's impressive, and it speaks to uh, his his buying into this season, and you know, in the future. I've been saying a lot in my articles that you know this whole season is about developing him for next year. Um, mm-hmm. That that should be the goal. And so, if that if that's true, and I do believe that's true. Uh, it's it it makes the outlook of next year a lot more exciting to see the progress already and his effort level through that progress. 
Yes, I agree. And, you know, it's interesting. I'm looking at some of his across the board numbers as you were talking. Um, how many minutes would you think he's averaging per game this, this year? Ooh. Just guess. 32 is probably too high, right? It is. 28? Not by much, though. He's at, he's at 31, wow. um, which, you know, in a game like tonight where he plays 37 minutes, he played, you know, with the these in these games, he played 40 minutes against Miami. His minutes have seen a little bit of an uptick, which I just think is really interesting. And if the Mavericks keep him, you know, at the 30 to 34 minute averages this season, that's going to be really interesting. And it's just something that was in my head as, as you know, how impressive the team has been allowing him to really figure itself out. And, you know, speaking of his numbers across the board, I think that, you know, fans who come to the Mavericks late, who might be more Cowboys fans and kind of Mavs agnostics, along with, you know, non-Mavericks fans are really going to be confused about his numbers because his shooting percentages were so bad for a while. And frankly, yeah. they still kind of are, but you know, I just don't care about any of that right now because you know, they're no. winning. And and if you can win with Chris Dapp shooting 40% from the floor, what happens when he gets back to a career average? Like, right. this is really scary. Really yeah. scary. I mean, it, and, and I would be a little more concerned about the shooting numbers if I didn't see – if there was, like, any sort of, like, body language problems mm. or anything like that. And he really has not been that way at all. And he seems so locked into playing his part of the greater system that Rick Carlisle has created. And uh, yes, there will probably be people that are like, well, why are we, you know, why are we paying this guy this amount of money? Or do we really like there's there's going to be that it's inevitable. Uh, But uh, I've I've been very impressed with his play of late, and I I think that that's just a taste of of what's likely to come if this kind of uh, progress continues. I agree. Well, I have absolutely nothing to complain about, which is a first in human history. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I could be here for that. No, it's it's really nice. I just I, I leave that game excited. I'm not you know sometimes it's hard for me to go to bed after games. I'm going to be okay sitting up thinking about this. I did want to get one more note in before we go. I'm. As impressed with the team, I'm I'm equally as impressed with Rick Carlisle for two reasons. First, the fact that he's able to to work this out with this roster. The yeah. second is that he has not gone to his break in case of emergency player in JJ Barea. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really surprised about that, and I think that speaks to his confidence in the team, and also allows JJ to be available for when they really need him. So right. I, I just wanted to get that in before we go. Yeah, he's I Carlisle's done a really great job and two uh there was a lot of him like tinkering around early in this, these lineups but he found something that worked and he has really pretty much stuck to it. He's obviously had to shift some things around with Luca being hurt and there's been a couple other injuries. But and I mean they're like playing Brokoff instead of Justin Jackson tonight. That's a conversation for maybe a future podcast, but mm-hmm. uh he has found things that have worked early and he has locked into that. And I think we're seeing, you know, the payoff from all of that. Yep. Yep. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining me tonight. This is uh, you know, I, I don't like talking to myself and I think our fans don't like it either. So I appreciate <laughs> you hopping on. Thanks for um, having me. All right. This has been Kirk and Jordan with Mavs Moneyball After Dark. We will probably be with you on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. Our whole roster is cowboy fans except for me. So I might and be talking to no one uh, and kind of you. You're right, but people are going to be watching it. So it's one of these odd situations yeah, where yeah, yeah. we're going to have to scramble for coverage. It'll be fun, though. 
um, hopefully that the Cowboys can take care of the the uh, Philadelphia football team as well. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Um, all right, everybody. As usual, share, like, uh, let you know, provide feedback. I love hearing from you guys. I'm glad that the show is resonating because each uh, each month we're finding more and more listeners. Uh, once again, this has been Kirk and Jordan with Mads Moneyball After Dark. Everybody have a good. Evening.